you have your Bible tonight, will you go with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4? I'm going to read this out of the King James Version. It's be the only scripture I read tonight out of the King James Version, only because I memorized it that way. But the other scriptures we give will be in the New Living Translation tonight. And uh, so if you're watching from home, get your Bible ready, get your Bible ready. God's got a word. He's got a message for you. The Bible says his word never returns void. How many believe that? God's got a message for you. So Father, give us all ears to hear tonight. Amen. Before I uh, begin uh, with uh, the message tonight, I want to begin with a very, uh, uh, very precious picture, a very personal picture. Uh, this is a picture of Tony and I. We're on the, the mountains, probably one of the hilliest places in Oklahoma is off on Talameda Drive, just outside of Tallahena, Oklahoma is a place called uh, the National Scenic Byway. It's about a 40-mile stretch of highway between Oklahoma and Arkansas, and it is just very mountainous and beautiful. And, and uh, on this day back in October of 2021, that was a special day. Uh, I took Tony there, and I packed a picnic lunch and, uh, and my guitar, and I remembered to bring a wedding ring. Yeah. And right there on the mountain, I made a proposal to this girl and, uh, and a promise. I made her a proposal and a promise, and she accepted my proposal and believed my promise. And uh, we've been living a dream, ain't we, baby? Baby, stand up one time. Let the people say it. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> That's my girl. I love her. Thank you, guys. Thank, uh, let's thank our video department. They do such a great do- job. I, I gave them that at the last minute. But a very important promise I made that day on the mountain. And then um, uh, so many of you came uh, that day in January when uh, on the 7th of January in 2022 when uh, Pastor Hagen married us. And and, uh, we've been so grateful to to the Lord. Uh, Tonight's message is called The Promise Keeper. Look at somebody and help me with the title of this message. Look at somebody and tell them, you've got a promise keeper. Yeah. Look at one other person and tell them, you've got a promise keeper. Yeah. The the title of tonight's message is The Promise Keeper. And I want to begin here in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 4. This one from uh, uh, from the King James Version of the Bible uh, because the scripture says, whereby have been given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these we might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Yeah. What has God done for us? God has given you and I exceeding great and precious promises. And I'm so glad tonight, God, our God, he's a promise keeper. And there are times when we go through things, situations and scenarios, and it doesn't always look like God's going to come through, but he sent me here tonight to tell you that he is a promise keeper. And you can take that to the bank. I said, you can bank on that. God, our God, he's a promise keeper. If he said he'll do it, he'll do it. And the real question is, will we trust him through it? 
Will we believe him in spite of what we go through, in spite of what we sometimes see, and in spite of what we sometimes feel? Will we believe God to, to honor his promise? Go with me to Hebrews chapter, chapter 10. We're talking about the promise keeper tonight. The promise keeper. What's my title tonight? Help me out. The promise keeper. Yeah. The promise keeper. Praise God. And uh, in Hebrews uh, chapter 10, now this is New Living Translation, Hebrews chapter 10, 23, verse 23, and then we'll read verse uh, 35, Hebrews 10, 23, and then go to verse 35. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to do what? To keep his promise. How many glad in here that God can be trusted to keep his promise? Yes, he can be trusted. Glory to God. Over there at uh, verse 35, Hebrews 10, 35. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. 36, patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. And then you will receive all that he has promised. Glory to God. When Virgin says it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. And our relationship to the Lord can, uh, uh, can be examined sometimes in the light of how uh, we regard him and his promises. How closely do we regard the Lord and his promises? And you know, God loves it when we will take him at his word. God loves that. God loves it when we'll just, when he finds a man and woman and they'll just take him at his word. No matter what the promise is, uh, God will bring it to pass. I said, no matter what the promise is, if, if we'll believe it, God will bring it to pass. And so over in uh, chapter 11, you're right there in Hebrews chapter 10, but in chapter 11, the Bible speaks, of course, that whole chapter on faith. Verse 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But verse, uh, verse 11, if you will, Hebrews 11, 11, talking about the faith of uh, Sarah, Abraham's wife, it says this, it was by faith that even Sarah uh, was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that the Lord would keep his promise. I said, God's looking tonight. His eyes are scanning to and fro throughout this crowd. He's looking for one person who says, God, I believe you. I believe you will keep your promise to me. In spite of all that I see, in spite of all that I feel, I believe that you're a promise keeper. I believe you're a God who can make a way when there is no way. I believe you're a God who can open a door when the door is locked. I believe you're a God who can open up the windows of heaven and pour me out a blessing. I don't have room to receive it. I believe you're the God who can make a way when there is no way. I said, he's a promise keeper tonight. And Sarah had to consider her own body versus considering God's promise. And she considered her body too old to give children. She considered the promise of God. And she said, I believe God. God's going to make a way. Where there is no way, God's going to make a way. Going from Hebrews 11, 11 down to verse 17, we pick up with the faith of her husband Abraham because the Bible gives us to know here it was by faith 
that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. You know this story back in Genesis 22 where here Abraham uh, waited and waited for God, 25 years for God to fulfill his promise. And the Bible says he believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And for 25 years, he believed that God would do what he said he would do. He looked at his body and he said, I'm too old to father a child, but God made me a promise. He looked at Sarah's body and he said, she's too old to 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 have a baby, but God made a, a promise. And after 25 years, then, then they stood on God's promise and God answered the prayer and God came through. He fulfilled the promise. And then after giving Isaac, the scripture says that, that God told Abraham, take your son, take the promise, take what I've given you now, and now go up on Mount Moriah and sacrifice him. And... Uh, at that day and time, there were many religions, false gods, false idols, and sacrificing children was something that was not uncommon in that day. It was evil, demonic, but something uncommon. I mean, something that was common to the culture out there, not to the children of Israel. Israel never did that, but it was, it was, common, to, it was common to the culture. And um, uh, people often sacrifice their children to Molech and all kinds of demon gods. But, but anyway, God tells Abraham <laughs> to go and take Isaac, your son of promise, and sacrifice him. And Isaac and, and, Isaac and Abraham, Abraham gets up the next day with Isaac and heads for the mountain. And you know the rest of that story. Isaac, as a young man, says to his dad, we got the fire, we got the wood, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham was speaking by faith and he said, God himself will provide the sacrifice, son. And in obedience, he raised that dagger over his son. And you remember the story. God said, Abraham, Abraham, put that dagger down. Don't do that lad any harm. He said, now I know that you want to fully follow me. Now I know that you'll be completely obedient to me. And the Bible tells us right here in Hebrews 11, what was going through Abraham's mind as he considered the promise. Because it had to be mind-blowing on the one hand to have received the promise after 25 years. And then on the other hand, for God tell him to go and sacrifice the promise. And yet the Bible says Abraham did not stagger at the promise of God in unbelief. But but going back to uh, verse uh, 18 of Hebrews 11, it says, Even though God had told him... Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. Isn't that awesome? What was going through Abraham's mind was that God, you're a promise keeper. You promised me this boy. And if something happened to him, you're going to bring him back again. And that's what was in his mind as he said, I'm just going to keep my mind, my heart set on this. God is my promise keeper no matter what. And sometimes in the midst of broken relationships, you have to be able to say, God, my relationship may have been broken, but you are my promise keeper. Your loved one may have 
transition to heaven. But you've got to say, in spite of that, God, in spite of my loved one going into heaven, you are still my promise keeper. You are still the one who will make a way out of no way. When folk aren't acting right down there on the job, you've got to say, God, you're the one who opened the door and gave me this job. And so the Bible tells us that Abraham, he knew God. And you can tell a lot about his relationship with God by his relationship to God's promises. He had utmost confidence in God's ability to perform the promise, to keep the promise. And you can tell the relationship and the closeness that he had with God because of his, his, uh, uh, the way he embraced God's promises. And you can tell a lot about someone's relationship with God just by the way they embrace God's promises. I wish I had one amen there. I said, when you look at the way people embrace his promises, you can tell a lot about their relationship with Christ just by the way they embrace or don't his promises. Over in, uh, over in Psalm 145, if you will, in Psalm 145, man, the Bible says God, he is what? He is a promise keeper. David, David said, I'll, I'll tell you what, God, our God, I, I know him as a promise keeper, David said. And in Psalm 145, verse 13, 145, verse 13, this again from the New Living. David said this, for your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all generations. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all that he does. I said, how many in this place know that God is a promise keeper? He's a promise keeper. He's a promise keeper. And you can tell a lot. You can tell a lot just by the way people cling to, uh, to, his, uh, to his promises. And uh, David learned how to cling to the promises of God. Daniel learned how to cling to the promises of God. Abraham learned how to cling to the promises of God. Israel had some trouble dealing with God's promises. In fact, over and over again, when they were presented with the promises of God, they failed. They really failed to, to find um, uh, just uh, trust in God. Go, go back with me to Exodus, to the book of Exodus, if you will. In the book of Exodus, in chapter 15, Exodus chapter 15, Exodus chapter 15, the first half of Exodus chapter 15 was a happy day. You know this story. It's right after Israel has come through the Red Sea. It's right after they've seen the Lord drown all those Egyptians uh, and their horses all drown. And none of, none of the Egyptians who were persecuting or chasing them, none of them made it through. But God brought Israel through on dry ground. And not only that, they had just come through the time when God told them he was going to deliver them out of Egypt's bondage and he sent Moses as the deliverer but Pharaoh said no and God said let my people go and Pharaoh said no and then one plague hit and and Moses said God said let my people go and you remember the story two plagues hit and then three plagues and five plagues and seven plagues and Pharaoh said no eight plagues hit Pharaoh said no nine plagues hit Pharaoh said no tenth after the tenth plague they were marching out of Egypt And so, uh, after Pharaoh changed his mind and tried to, to chase him down and, and, uh, with his chariots and, and, and his army, and then all the army drowned in the Red Sea, the first part of, 
of uh, Exodus 15, it says, uh, then 15, one, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. I will sing unto the Lord. He's triumphed gloriously. He's hurled both the horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He's given me victory. The Lord is my God. I will praise him. My father's God. I will exalt him. And so they were singing. They were, they were dancing. They were, they were celebrating. And, and sister Miriam, the Bible says she got the women going. And, uh, you can see that at verse 20. Then Miriam, the prophet Aaron's sister took a tambourine, led all the women as they played their tambourines and danced. Miriam sang this song, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both the horse and the rider into the sea. What were they doing? They were, they were marveling. They were rejoicing. They were praising God for, for honoring his promise, for keeping his promise. And there was only one thing wrong with this. They were praising him after the fact. It was right to praise him. It was right to acknowledge he's the promise keeper. It was right to worship him for keeping his promise. But the only thing wrong was that they they worshiped him after the fact. And it presented a problem because verse 22, look at uh, Exodus 15, 22. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea and they moved out into the desert of Shur and they traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. And when they came to the oasis of Mara, the water was too bitter to drink. And so they called the place Mara, which means bitter, 24. And then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. Now you're really talking about uh, they said there were 600,000 people, not counting the women and the children. And when you add in statistically the women uh, and, the, and the children, uh, then, then they get a figure of about two and a half million people that, uh, that moved out of Egypt into this wilderness. And they had, essentially, they had about three days worth of faith. Because after three days, it ran out. I remember my sweet mama, she used to go to the gas station all the time. And she'd say, give me $2 worth of high test. <laughs> we couldn't go very far on $2. My dad always filled the tank up. My mom would say, give me $2 worth of high test. Sometimes we're operating on three days worth of faith. And so what they do, they began to complain. They began to grumble. Uh, and uh, when you read uh, the, uh, down at verse 25, uh, or 26, look at, look at Exodus 15, 26. The Lord makes this tremendous promise, this tremendous promise, which is still producing health and healing and blessing <laughs> in the body of Christ. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands, keeping all his decrees, then I will, I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. And, and let me just say, I don't have time to teach you on this, but, but God's not putting disease on anybody. Those diseases came on the Egyptians because of their disobedience. God doesn't have any disease or sickness to put on anybody. But when people get into disobedience, they get out from under God's protection. And, and then there is a thief out there. There is a destroyer. And, and, and he destroys people's lives. But God said, I, 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 I am the Lord. I am the Lord who heals you. And so over and over again, we see that uh, Israel balked at the promise of God. And when they went three days in that water, what God expected them to do was to praise him with the same strength they praised him with when they came through the Red Sea. 
All they had to do was repeat that praise. I will sing unto the Lord. He's triumphed gloriously to horse and rider thrown into the sea. All they had to do was repeat their actions of praise. But the problem was they praised God after they saw what happened at the Red Sea. And they never learned how to praise God before they saw the answer to their prayers. And there are so many Christians in the body of Christ replicating that same problem. Waiting until God answers a prayer before they'll praise him for keeping his promise. I know a brother won't get an amen teaching like that. But Israel made a mistake time and time again because they never learned how to praise God. They never learned how to praise God before they could see it. Whatever they felt at the time. If they felt thirst, they complained. God can't do it. They said over and over again, you know, uh, can God do it? Can God make a table in the wilderness? Can God provide? Is the Lord among us or not? You read Exodus 17. You know, they're in trouble with water in Exodus 15. In Exodus 17, they're in trouble with water again, and they're doing the same old thing in Exodus 17. Look at Exodus 17. Uh, look down there uh, at verse 7. Moses named the place Massa, Exodus 17, 7. He named the place Massa, which means test. And Mirabah, which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord here with us or not? Israel's problem was they never learned how to believe God in light of his promise and in spite of their human condition. Whenever their human condition changed, they opened up their mouth and they simply complained. And my brother and sister, faith cannot work like that. Go with me to Psalm 77, if you will, please. Psalm 77. Man, God uh, was so patient with his people. He was patient with them, but they would, uh, uh, his people just, refu- they just refused. They just, they just decided they were not going to believe. Look at Psalm 77, verse 19. It says, your road, talking about God's road, your road led through the sea your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. You led your people along that road like a flock of sheep and with Moses and Aaron as their shepherd. You know what that's saying? It's saying, look, God had a road. God had a plan. God had a way. And when God led uh, Israel out of Egypt, he led them down a road and he knew what he was doing, but the road ended at the water. This scripture tells us God had a road through the water. Of course, we know he did because he parted the water. But they could not see that road. And when they couldn't see it with their eyes, they complained and they grumbled. And so many people miss out on the promise of God because they grumble because they don't see the answer to their prayers. But if God promised it, God will do it. Look over in the next uh, chapter of Psalms. This is Psalm 78. Psalm 78, I'll tell you another problem they had. Psalm 78, look at verse 11. They forgot what he had done the great wonders he had shown them, the miracles he did for their ancestors. That was another huge problem of Israel. That kept them from receiving the promises of God. They forgot what God had already done. And I'll tell you this, God, our God, he's been good to you. I said, God has been mighty, mighty good to you. In fact, God, he bought you from a long way. Am I right about it? God, your God, he's opened doors that no man could open for you. Am I right about that? It was your God who put bread on your table. Am I right about it? It's your God, our God. He put a roof over your head. Am I right about that? God has helped you time and time again. You went down on a bended knee and said, God, I need a job. And God stepped through and gave you that job. 
Somebody said, God, I need a home. God gave you that home. Somebody said, God, I need a bride. God gave me that bride. Somebody said, God, I need whatever it was. God has been good to you. God has has blessed you again and then again and then again and then again. And he is worthy of our praise. He's so worthy. He's worthy to be praised even when it doesn't look like he's going to come through. I won't get an amen teaching like that, but he's worthy even when it doesn't feel right in your body and you're clinging to a promise of healing, he's still worthy to be praised. He's worthy when your bank account does not line up with your confession and you're wondering how you might make it through the end of the month. I said, hey, God is still worthy. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the awesome provider. And Israel forgot what he had done over and over and over again. Verse 22 of Psalm 78 says, they did not believe God or trust him to care for them. Over and over again, the Bible tells us that they they just refused. They refused. Go real quick. Go run with me. Run with me to Psalm 106. Psalm 106. Psalm 106. Look at verse 11 through 13. We'll we'll read 10 through 13. We'll read 10 through 13. We may have to stop there. 10 through 13. Psalm 106, verses 10 through 13. It says, so he rescued them from their enemies, redeemed them from their foes, and then the water returned and covered their enemies. Not one of them survived. And look at verse 12. Then, everybody say the word then. Then his people believed his promises, and then they sang his praise. Can you see that? They, they waited until after they saw the answer before they believed. They waited until after they saw the answer before they praised. But faith works the opposite of that. Faith believes before it sees. Faith still speaks and confesses before the promise ever comes to pass. Faith is worshiping God before before the promise ever shows up on the scene. And whatever you need from God, listen, if you haven't received in the manifestation yet, because faith is always now, but if you haven't received in manifestation yet, now is the time to praise him. Now is the time to exalt him. Now is the time to bless his name. How many of you have something you're believing God for? Come on, stand on your feet. If you're believing God for anything, you're believing God for anything, just stand up on your feet. Listen, now is the time to praise him. I'm going to give you an opportunity to just bless the Lord. I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to give you an opportunity. I don't care what you do. But, but, but listen, my, my question to you is how would you act if what you're believing for when you walked out the door was right there? If what you're believing for was right there when you walked out the door, how would you act? Would you act any different? What I'm asking you is to have zero difference in how you would act than for how you're going to act right now. I'm going to count the three. Are you ready? One, get yourself ready. Get your mind off your neighbor. Get your mind off your neighbor. Two, God is watching you. God is looking at you. Three, come on, let's praise him. Come on, God is good. God is good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You are a way keeper way maker, a promise keeper. Father, thank you. You are a door opener. You're a need meter. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I said glory. I said glory to God. Glory. Hallelujah. 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 
years ago. I just got out of college. I was believing God for a car. 1982. You know what kind of car I wanted? Volvo. I wanted to, was believing God for a Volvo. You know what kind of car I got? A 63 Ford Falcon. <laughs> didn't look, didn't feel, didn't drive like the Volvo. I had a picture of a Volvo on my wall, but I didn't have any car at all. And somebody came to me and said, hey, I heard you need a car. And by that time, I was catching the bus. And if you ever been at the bus stop, see, and he said, I got a car, it's 20 years old. He said, it don't look good, but it runs good. He said, if you're not too proud, I said, I'm not too proud, I'll be glad to take it. I see some people would have walked away from that and said, no, no, forget it. I don't want that. That don't look like a Volvo. No, no, no. There's been some people. But I knew to just keep on praising him. I knew to just keep on blessing him. And so I received that 63, that 63 Falcon. It was two colors, two tones. It was blue and rust. <laughs> but I was happy as a lark. It had a big old steering wheel. Everything in that car was big. The windshield was big. The steering wheel was big. And man, I'm praising God. I thank God for giving me a Volvo. I thank God for getting me off the bus stop. See, if you've never been to the bus stop, then you might spurn that. You might look down on a 63. But oh man, oh, that 63, that 63 was 1983 was the year, but that 63 was like an 83 to me. Because I had been at the bus stop catching the bus. And oh, that car just rode like a dream. I didn't have no payment. Man, that thing drove like a Cadillac. Oh, man. And I, but I kept on believing for my Volvo. I said, I kept on believing for my Volvo. I kept on thanking him for my Volvo. I kept on thanking him. I kept on praising him. And sometimes I'd be in the company of people and forget what I was doing, you know. And I would do something like that. And somebody asked me one time, I said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm embarrassed. I said, that Volvo I'm believing for, it's a standard, uh, a, a, it's a manual transmission. And to put that thing in reverse, there's a little ring. You lift up that ring, you push the gear lever over, and you push it up. And that puts that Volvo in reverse. And I can feel it. I can just feel myself putting that thing in reverse. And I can feel myself popping them gears and going forth and overdrive. I can, I can just feel myself doing You know, I got to move my leg a little bit when I moved that in there. And, and, and I could just feel that. Whoa, but the day came. The day came, hey, when God gave me that Volvo, and I was moving that gear lever and say, oh yeah, that's the way I saw it, that's the way I saw that thing. Yeah, whatever you're believing God for, my brother and sister, if you will cling to his promises, but don't just cling to his promises, praise him, because he's worthy. Praise him before you see it. Praise him when you don't feel right in your body. Praise him while you're at the bus stop. Praise him because you think there's not enough bread on the table. Praise him when you see your bank account. Praise him. Hallelujah. If you'll bless him and praise him, act like you would when you see it. Nothing will keep the blessings and the promises of God. Hey! <laughs> From coming to pass. Hey! In your life. He's a mighty good God. He is a way maker. He is a need meter. He is a door opener. Yes, he will. I said, if God promised, he'll do it. And Abraham said, I don't care what it looked like. They said, Abraham, it's been five years since God promised you. And Abraham said, he's a way maker. They said, Sarah, it's been 10 years, Sister Sarah, since God promised you. She said, he's a way maker. They said, Abraham, it's been 12 years since God promised you. He said, I'm going to praise him anyhow. 
I said, it's been 15 years. It's been 20 years. It's been 25 years. Hey, but Abraham was still blessing his name. He refused to doubt. And he thanked God for a promise that seemed impossible. And if there's a promise in the word, the Bible says these promises are yes and amen. The Bible says we have a better com- better covenant established upon better promises. Hebrews 8, 6. And so whatever it is, God sent me to tell you, believe him before. Act like it's true right now. Don't do what Israel did. Israel had to wait 40 years for a blessing that only was supposed to take two weeks to get there. They had a two-week journey. They turned it into a 40-year ordeal because they never learned the lesson of remembering what God has already done, of thanking him and praising him for his promises, and of acting like it's true in spite of what you see, feel, or think. Let's pray together tonight. Father, we thank you. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for every exceeding great and precious promise that you've made to us. We thank you. You are the promise keeper. We thank you. You're the way maker. We thank you. You're the need meter. We thank you. You're the door opener. We thank you. You're faithful to every promises, every promise. And your promises to us are yes and amen. And so, Father, thank you for the many, many exceeding great precious promises. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But you see, if we'll take advantage, if we'll take advantage, some people are just, uh, just letting the promises of God. They're just letting them go, not grabbing, not clinging, not claiming. Oh, but if we'll take advantage of the exceeding great and, and precious promises, the blessings of God will flourish and multiply in our lives. Now is the time to praise him. Now is the time to worship him. Now is the time to give him glory. Now is the time, in spite of what you see, what you feel, and what you think. Father, bless your people tonight. Help, encourage, strengthen, uplift, whatever the need is. Our prayer ministers are coming tonight. And Father, we pray if there's anybody here in the sound of our voice who needs salvation, who needs to be set free in any area, anybody needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit or anybody needs agreement in prayer concerning the precious promise. Father, we thank you for meeting their needs. We call, call them blessed and call you the way maker, the promise keeper. In Jesus' name, amen. My friend, that's the conclusion of the message tonight. But if you want somebody to agree with you, that's what these mighty, mighty men and women of God are. You know, are here for you know by now men come to the men ladies go to the ladies and um, they will pray with you and agree with you you won't leave here like you came in Jesus name leave here clinging to the promise leave here clinging claiming the promises of God let this week be spent with you confessing and praising God for the fulfillment of his promises in your life and you're about to see an explosion of God's answers to prayer in your life All right, my friend, we thank you for being here. Thank you for being so easy to minister to. Be right back here Wednesday night for Hour of Power and then Sunday morning, School of Bible Hour at 9 a.m. and then a mighty, mighty message from heaven, 10 a.m. service on Sunday. God bless you one and all. We are dismissed. Do we have any visitors? Do we have any first-time guests? We did. Uh, All right, well, all right. You are dismissed. God bless you.